The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. Amen. So I wanted to take a little bit less time than a typical sermon to talk about uh, baptism with you. Uh, and baptism is varied in church denominations. How many of you guys grew up in a tradition where they baptized infants? Were you Catholic, Lutheran, Covenantal, Presbyterian? Okay, great. Bunch of us. Um, and then how many of you guys grew up good old-fashioned Baptists, adult baptism, credo Baptist? Yeah, so a bunch of us. How many of you are like, I have no idea what I was. I'm new to this. I don't, I don't know what's going on. People get wet here, I guess. Uh, so I just wanted to fill everybody in. So I've been having these conversations with different people who've come to faith in Jesus and they're learning lots of things and then they're reevaluating things based on their tradition and what does this mean for me and is now the right time? And so I thought it would be profitable for all of us to have a conversation around baptism. Uh, the, I was reminded of my own baptism. So my parents got saved right about the time I was born. So I was raised in the church by very zealous, Jesus-loving parents and uh, we were at a, a, a church conference when I was eight or, eight or nine years old, about that age. And I've been told the good news about Jesus growing up. I learned about God and creation and the scriptures. And I had a good foundation of faith, the kind of best kind of foundation an eight-year-old could have. And at this conference, there was a special session for our age group. And at the end, the, the preacher gave an invitation to give your life to Jesus. And then immediately, you were invited to the waters of baptism in the pool. Now, I had seen baptism a couple times, but I'm, I'm eight, so I'm not paying close attention. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, well, I'm 38. I'm not paying close attention either. But. So I had some questions, and so I asked my, the pastor of our church, who was at this conference, I said, well, what is baptism? How does this work? And he said, oh, well, you, you come in, and uh, there's a pool there, and all these people are lined up, and because you put your faith in Jesus, you, are, you go under the water, you're joined with him in, in, in his death, and then you're raised to newness of life, and you're going to walk in newness of life. Very simple definition. But he inserted in that definition that he was going to put me under the water and pray, and then I was going to come up in that order. And I had heard him pray. This guy could pray a long time. And so I was on the... And I wanted to go to heaven, just not that day. And, and, and I had this, like conflicted, deep uh, reservation. I remember at eight years old just being like, Jesus, I'm all in. Even if, it, even if it means I drown today, I'm doing it. And so I knew I was serious. And uh, I was very surprised when he prayed first and then I went under and came right up. I was like, oh, that was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. And um, that started my journey of uh, Christianity, of following Jesus. And uh, I learned a lot since then, been through a lot since then, made a lot of mistakes since then, but God has never failed me. God has always been faithful. And it's the fact that I am his and I am in Christ and that I have been joined with him in his death, that by faith I will be joined with him in a resurrection like his. Uh, it's really about. And uh, so I'd like to talk a little bit about this and maybe clear up a little bit of confusion and answer some questions that may be floating around in your head. And then uh, I want to conclude with enough time, obviously, for the baptisms. Well, I have two in this service at least. And then um, Zach, who's getting baptized today, I've asked him to share a little bit of his testimony, which is atypical, uh, but I think you'll really benefit from how he's processed his choice to be baptized today. So um, open your Bible to Matthew 28, if you would. The, these, these sacraments are important for us as a church. And think about the word sacrament. At the, at the core of the word sacrament is the word sacred. Do you see it? There's something sacred about what's being done here. It's it's not utilitarian, it's not unimportant, and it, it's not just a, a means or a method. It's really powerful. You see, the sacred really is an invitation into something deep, to something holy, 
It's an invitation into something spiritual. It's an opportunity for us to pause and consider the place where our material life and our spiritual life intersect. And there's something in every single one of us that is really yearning for that depth, yearning for that purpose, yearning for that holiness and that power. That yearning drives many people to make all sorts of terrible decisions, to try to find uh, some depth in relationships or in spirituality in general, in in different forms of of, uh, pagan tradition, for some witchcraft and speaking to the dead. It, it drives people to all sorts of things. It can, it can manifest as an appetite that we try to fulfill with food or drink or sex. And so we're, we're wired for the holy. We're wired for the spiritual. We're wired for the deep. Do you know that? We're made in God's image, made by God and for God. And there's something in every human that is longing for something sacred. And, and, and it's, it's baptism is one of these places where we intersect with that, with that sacrament. And I want us to take that seriously. I want us to really ponder that. We try to do the same thing every month when we take the Lord's Supper together and we take communion. We try to really ponder the sacred nature of what's taking place. And I've already mentioned it, but as you imagine, baptism is this one-time uh, entrance into the kingdom of heaven, into a relationship with God. It symbolizes our relationship with God. And then communion is this ongoing way in which uh, we celebrate and commemorate that connection. You can imagine baptism being described as us becoming in Christ and communion being an ongoing connection with Christ in us. The word Christian does not appear in the scriptures very often. I think it's one, one time or maybe two, if you, depending on how you translate it. But the phrase in Christ appears hundreds of times in the New Testament. The phrase that describes the nature of a believer is a person who is in Christ, by faith joined with Jesus. And this, this sacrament is meant to add visibility to that spiritual reality. And so what is baptism? I like, I like to put it this way. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual reality. Maybe you've, heard, maybe you've heard a description that's similar to that. I've heard some like an outward declaration of an inward transformation or a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. I really like these words, carefully chosen, an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual reality. All throughout the Bible, every covenant with God has always been attested by a sign, hasn't there? There has always been a covenant and a sign to the covenant. A covenant and a sign to the covenant. And the new covenant in which we stand, that which is in Christ, has a sign, and that sign is baptism. It is outward and it is visible, but it is a sign of something that is true that has happened on the inside of a person that you can't see, that is spiritual, that is connected to the holy, that is connected to the divine. And so there is an intersection that happens in the waters of baptism that is deep and powerful and meaningful and sacred. And I want us to consider it as as such. And so with baptism, we demonstrate that we are in Christ and communion that Christ is in us. So Matthew 28 18 to 20, this is the mission statement of the church. And Jesus came and said to them, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Somebody say, make disciples. 
make disciples of all nations. Now, make disciples is the emphasis of the commission. The go, we get, we get fixated on the go. And going is good. We are, we're all called the go. But if you read in the original language, the emphasis there is make disciples. You could almost say, in your going, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, in all of your goings on, make disciples. This is the commission of the Christian church to make disciples. And there's two things we ought to be doing in the process of making disciples. Number one, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Number one, this is the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. This is how disciples are made through baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so this is an entrance into a union with Christ. It's a visible outward expression of an inward spiritual reality. And it leads to a journey of learning. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that like, can we all just take a deep collective breath? Because I, 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 I know a lot of people who grew up in a tradition where in order to be baptized, you had to be catechized. You had to go to classes and learn stuff and pass tests. And there was perspiration and nervousness so that you might say the right thing in order to be baptized. And there was a lot leading up to baptism. Anybody have that experience? And isn't it amazing that in the Great Commission, as disciples are made, they're not made before the waters of baptism. They are discipled and taught after the waters of baptism, which means anyone who understands the simplicity of the message of Jesus, the love of God expressed in his coming and his dying and his resurrection, and that faith in his name, simple as that is, that an eight-year-old that is afraid of drowning can understand, that also the most brilliant theologian of all times can never exhaust. That simple message is the beginning of our journey. It's not the end. It's not the midpoint. We're not working towards something. This is declaring not what we have accomplished or what we have learned. This, these waters represent for us what God has done, what he has provided, what we are covered in, what we stand in, what we have received by faith. Amen? I love that. We see this in the early church in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches the first evangelistic sermon to a crowd of Jews who are aware of the death and now resurrection of Jesus and who are watching the Holy Spirit falling on Jews in Jerusalem. And, and so they get everybody's attention and Peter starts to preach and he's filled with the Spirit. He's fired up and he's preaching a message about Jesus. And at the end of his message in verse 37, it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Baptism is for you and for you and for you and for you, for everybody. And so if you have faith in Jesus, come to the waters of baptism. And with many other words, don't you love that, that? I love that Luke summarizes his long sermons. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation, typical preacher. It's terrible out there. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Immediately baptized. No catechism, no training. That was the beginning of their journey and it began with faith in Jesus. And that's what baptism is about. So I'm gonna give you three W's to hang on to, little handles as you consider baptism. And I imagine there may be some people right here today who are candidates for baptism. Maybe you've never been baptized. 
Maybe you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, and today you will. Maybe you were baptized as an infant, you didn't know you needed to reconsider. I don't know, I don't know everybody's situations, but you can see we got more towels than we need. So if you're like, well, I didn't bring a bathing suit. I'm like, logistics, you'll be fine. You've been caught in the rain, just get in the car, you'll be fine. Let me give you these three W's. This is what baptism stands for. This is what every person needs. This is what God has provided in Jesus. Number one, washed. Somebody say washed. Washed. I love that it has to do with water. Do you know, do you know that in, in almost every religion across the globe and throughout history, there has been some sort of, of ritual washing with water? Nearly all. I became aware of this uh, even for present practicing Jews. I know many of you have Jewish family members, but for those who are Orthodox and practicing, uh, they still use mikvahs consistently. I, I didn't know this or not. I read this as an article during COVID. There was a question for all the Jews all over the world, will the mikvahs be open? And the mikvah is, is a, a, a little baptistry like this. It's, it's more like a really, really nice swimming pool. It's got moving, cleaned water that runs through it 24 hours a day. And it's available to any practicing Jews to have ritual purification. Now, it's a big deal because if you're a practicing Jew, uh, all women have to go through ritual purification after their cycle concludes before they can come back together with their husband. And so there's a high degree of motivation to keep the mikvah running. And for men, if there is a number of different things uh, that you experience or do wrong and there's confession involved, you have to go through ritual purification. And some very zealous Jewish men, uh, they go through the mikvah every morning. And this is not like a shower. They actually go through, they have a whole like sauna, steam bath, scrub. They get super, super clean, physically clean before they go through the mikvah. It's a spiritual cleansing. And so there's actually a mikvah right here in Daytona Beach. If you Google it, you'll get a cell phone number of the mikvah attendant who you can text to set up your mikvah appointment. Did you know that? And so this is very serious for many religions all over the globe. In Buddhism, I don't know if you know this or not, they have these tea ceremonies that are part of their religious expression. And they have uh, the suki, uh, sukibai. And this is a little running water and you, you wash your hands in it. It's not to clean your hands. It's for ritual, spiritual purification. And it's low to the ground. That sukibai is a, is a, a Japanese word that means to get low, to humble oneself to crouch down. And so all throughout history, in every religion, there is water associated with ritual, spiritual purification. And so this is not unique to Christianity, water. But you know what is unique to Christianity? That we are washed once. That when we put our faith in Jesus, in genuine faith that we have towards God, we go into the waters, we come out of the waters, and we are made new forever. That is distinctly Christian. That is uniquely Christian. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. For our sake, verse 21, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you know why you don't need to get baptized over and over and over, weekly, monthly, annually, every time there's camp, every time you do something wrong? Because your washing happened in the blood of Jesus that's represented in the waters of baptism. And if you are in him, you are declared righteous and there is no need to wash any longer. Isn't that amazing? And so this is a big deal. Baptism is a big deal. And I think this is part of the reason why why people ask, do I need to be baptized again? Do I need to be baptized again? And my answer is never no or yes. It's always maybe. Because it, were you baptized knowingly? Why was it that you were baptized? Were you baptized because you were afraid? 
Were you baptized because your cousin was getting baptized when you were seven? Were you baptized with an understanding and genuine faith or not? Those are really important questions. But when you have faith towards God in Jesus and you have been joined with him by faith, then the waters of baptism are not only an, an outward and visible sign of that inward and spiritual transformation, they are waters that represent your one-time washing and your cleanliness in Jesus, amen? Secondly, not only are we washed, but we are welcomed. Somebody say welcomed. Welcomed. We are welcomed into the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. I love the way Galatians 3 26 to 28 puts it, for in Christ Jesus, there it is again, you are all children of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's why I love having baptism in the house. Because when you emerge from the waters of baptism, you will hear a crowd of people shouting and hollering and clapping, and they're saying, welcome to the family. You're in there. And it's amazing. I gotta, I gotta love God's disposition. He'll let anybody into this family. He, he didn't care. He made everybody, and he wants everybody back. Do you know it? Aren't you glad that people aren't in charge of deciding who's allowed to enter the waters of baptism? Aren't you glad God's made it super, super clear that he says, come all who may. Everyone who believed in his name were baptized. That there, There's nothing on the outside. And so here we go through the waters of baptism. We get these new clothes. We're made new. We're washed. And, then, and the idea is that we're now clothed in Christ. It's not how we dress anymore that sets us apart. This is a little disconnected from the ancient Near East, but you could tell everything about a person by the way they dressed. We can still do this now. I mean, you guys were judging me. You saw him, saw me in the lobby. Certainly not, not that guy. That can't be the guy, right? Why? How, how am I dressed? Now, if you came to my house on a Tuesday, the only thing that would be different from how I'm dressed right now is I'd also have a cap and glasses on. That would be the only difference. So this is the real me you're getting to see right now. I'm telling you, they let anybody in. This is the beauty of what it means to be welcomed into the church. You know, we're a part of the church universal. I hear so much talk these days about diversity in the church. Uh, used to be how big is your church was like the metric of how uh, successful, how, how healthy your church was, how big is your church. And it shifted. Now big is nothing. Diversity is everything. Do you have ethnic diversity present in your church? And, and, and I laugh a little bit at that because people like to do things in styles that fit them. And so there's a natural segregation in the church. It just happens. And it's actually more odd that you find this ethnic diversity. And a lot of people go to a lot of trouble to get that diversity happening on a Sunday morning. Sometimes it happens by itself, but should that be the measure of a healthy church? It's ethnic diversity? Because the reality is the church is ethnically diverse. Because everywhere you go, no matter what kind of church, no matter what kind of people are gathered together, for whatever reasons, we're all still in Christ together, aren't we? And so we should be able to walk into any kind of church made of any kind of people in any part of the world 
And if we have faith in Jesus, if we've been through the waters of baptism, we ought to be welcomed. And so my question is not how diverse are we? Hopefully we're as diverse as our surrounding neighborhoods. Hopefully we're not doing anything to make it hard for people who aren't like some of us to go to church with us. That would be bad, certainly. But are we a welcoming church? Do we treat every single person as, as made in the image of God and honored and respected with dignity and equality? And do we welcome anyone who's of the household of faith? And I'd say that's the true measure of the health of a local church, amen? And so in the, in the waters of baptism, we are washed and we are welcomed. And then la lastly, the last W word, you ready for this? Somebody say witness. Can I get a witness? I love that baptism is meant to happen in front of people. Now I've done plenty of baptisms in a pool in someone's backyard all by themselves. And if someone's ready to give their life to Jesus, let there be no delay in their baptism. I'm always eager. That's why I'm like, the towels are here. You ready? Let's do you too. Come on. I'm always eager. But this has always happened in public. You know, historically, the waters of baptism were meant to be moving because they signify new life, living water. And so that, in those mikvahs and all sorts of other places where baptism happens in the ocean and rivers, there's a moving water. It's moving water. If we build a baptistry into a new facility at some point, it'll have the capacity to, to move and filter and cleanse that water. This is sitting still. But listen, you can, you can baptize somebody in a horse trough, in a 55-gallon drum with the top cut off, in a trash can. You can baptize any place you can get somebody underwater and back up. They can be washed in the blood of Jesus. Why? Because this is a physical sign of a spiritual reality. This is an outward sign of an inward reality. And so it's, it's about our witness. This is an opportunity for somebody to make a public declaration of their faith in Jesus. And this is a witness not only to others, it starts as a witness to you. Isn't it amazing? I've talked to so many people to say, how long have you been following the Lord? You're like, I don't know, sometime in 75, 92, 2004. I can't really remember. But you can remember the day you went through the waters, can't you? It's meant to act as a sign for you to say, no, I am a Jesus follower. There was a moment. My, my inner decision, faith in God, my spiritual reality was manifested on the outside in front of people when I went through the waters of baptism. And so these waters stand as a witness to your salvation, to your faith. They also stand as a witness to the church. And that's why I love that we're doing this in the house. I'm amazed because every time we do beach baptisms, dozens or hundreds of people come out from Christ Church and we got a huge crowd on the beach. It's awesome. But I love being able to make this a part of our service because this is a reminder to every single person that's been through the waters of the reality of God's saving power, that God is still at work, that he is changing hearts and minds, that he is washing ruined sinners and reclaiming them for himself. This is who our God is and we need that reminder, amen? And then lastly, this is also a witness to the world. Nowhere in scripture does it say that baptism is meant to be a witness to the world, but, but it's a picture. Every single time we do these baptisms in public or even in a church service and there's people present who are unbelieving or family members, they are getting to see something that is invisible. Isn't that great? They're able to see on the outside what we all experience on the inside. And for someone who doesn't have faith in Jesus, that is powerful. Why would you do this? I have to do this because of what's happened in here. What is going on? I, I'm joined with Jesus. I'm in him. I'm going into his grave and all my sin is staying there and I'm rising to new life to walk differently with his power. I'm, I'm clothed and so I'm gonna live differently. I love the song 
the, the, the song about baptism. You know the little boy runs home with no shoes on because you don't wear your old shoes on your brand new feet. And so I'm, I'm going in a different direction. I'm committed to living in a new way and I'm trusting in the power of God to help me. That is a testimony, brothers and sisters, to people far from God. And so we're washed and we're welcomed and this is a witness. And those are our W's. Now that's not everything that can be said about baptism, but I'll preach on it again some other time. I felt like that was important for this morning. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this and also uh, have Zach come and share briefly is because we had uh, 21 people baptized the week after Easter, which was awesome, even a passerby, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a family from Wisconsin whose daughter was there and she wanted to be baptized in Wisconsin and it was too cold. And so the, they told her, yeah, you can get baptized in June. And this was back in April. And it was kind of cold here at the time. And she's walking by and we're getting baptized. And, and the family said, can you baptize our daughter? Yes, we'll <laughs> baptize anybody. Had a little conversation with her, had her faith in Jesus. Bloop, it was very easy. She's very small. <laughs> and then we had seven more people uh, sign up for baptism for this weekend, which is awesome. And I, I try to connect with every single person. I want to hear their story. I love to look them in the eyes. I love to know what God's doing in their life. It's personally encouraging to me. Uh, but uh, several of the people that I talked to, they changed their mind. They changed their mind. Uh, a couple of them said, you know what? I, I was baptized before this happened, and I think that's good. And so I, I shared some of what I shared with you, and yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's, I'm not going to force anybody's hand. It's faith. It's not about, it's not about a religious oppression going, I don't think so. I would, I'd, let's just be safe, you know? So it's your, it's your choice. Uh, and, I, and then I also had people who were like, uh, maybe next time. And so it, it, has a, it had a sense of like non-urgent and maybe unimportant. And so I thought, you know what? I think it's important that we recognize what this is, why it matters, why we need that external, physical, visible sign of that inward spiritual transformation so that we take it seriously. I don't want, to, I don't want baptism ever to become a thing we do without thinking about it or to lose the, the sacred nature of the gift that it is to us. And so when I talked to Zach this week, I was surprised to see his name on, on the list. And the reason is that I've known Zach his whole life. I was 13 when he was born. We grew up in the same church together. And I baptized him when he was eight. And so when I saw his name on the list, I went, bing, and I called Zach. Hey, what's going on? Why is your name on the list? And as he began to share with me his reasons for getting baptized, I was just struck because he gets it. And so I wanted him to come share that in his own words. Would you guys welcome Zach up here? Let me grab a mic from for him. Also, Zach is very comfortable on the stage. He's up here almost every Sunday, uh, but he, he, he's rarely asked to speak. And so uh, let's all give him a compassionate uh, hand. So come over here in the middle so everybody can see you online. And would you just share with the church what you shared with me about coming to the decision to be baptized now and why you feel like it's meaningful as opposed to the last time? Red one. Check. Hey. Check. All right. Um, yeah. Um, so I'll just kind of tell you what I talked to you with on the phone. Um, I grew up, uh, my parents knew and loved Jesus, and they taught me and told me who Jesus is. Um, and when I was, right before I turned eight, my, my dad died. Um, and 
an eight-year-old, you know, my mom would be, he's, he's in heaven now, he's with Jesus, and so that's a no-brainer for me. I'm, I want to see my dad again, so Jesus, please save me. I want to see my dad. Um, and so I asked Jesus to save me, then however short after that, he baptized me. Um, and fast forward till maybe like 11-ish, 12-ish to like 15, around that time, um, just a lot of doubts of, okay, who who is God? Is God, has he actually saved me? Is his promise for me? Um, is he, is God even real? Just uh, any doubt you could think of. Um, through a series of events, um, I was praying with my mom one time, just like freaking out, like, Jesus, help, I'm afraid. And um, uh, I saw a vision of him, uh, or God showed me a vision of Jesus on the cross. And so then I was like, all right, I'm good, I'm good. And um, and then fast forward another, maybe when I was 19, um, just kind of 19 to 21, the doubts kind of started resurfacing. Um, and then um, when I was 21, um, I ended up, I wasn't feeling good, and so I got blood work done. Uh, long story short, my doctor called, said, hey, you need to go to the hospital now, get blood work done just to check, and ended up being in the hospital for a week. Um, my kidneys had failed, um, and so long story short, after six months, I ended up having a kidney transplant. Um, but right, right in that time, um, when we found out I was in the hospital for a week, and then I got released and started dialysis, um, Right when I got released, um, I was really angry at God, um, and just like was very much, all right, this has all happened. My life is upside down, um, and it felt like God wasn't there at all. And I was just—I remember the morning after I got back, I was like, God, what, what's going on? Like, why? Like, this is happening. You haven't done or said anything, and. Um, and one morning where I was just, I was actually at night, I was angry at that and ended up reading a story um, in the Bible and felt like God said, I'm gonna use this for good. Um, and so within that time for when I got to a kidney transplant, the doubts were back. I was freaking out because it's like, all right, I have a big surgery. Um, and so kind of in fear, I was like, all right, Jesus, um, I trust your promise to me, I'm, I'm all in. Um, and it was very much motivated by fear of dying. Um, and from that time, I was like, all right, I'm good with Jesus, I'm, I'm safe. And um, from that time to, until the transplant, I somehow, I don't even remember, got a hold of um, these books by this ministry called Wild at Heart. Um, and God used those books to show me that he wants to be my father. And. Um, it changed everything. It went, it went from fear um, of dying and being rejected by God to, I want to know who this God is. He, he loves me. Um, he wants to never, never leave me, and he wants to be there for me. Um, and just recently, um, probably within the last six to eight months, just kind of um, the thought of being baptized kept coming back up. Um, So I, I think God is, is saying, hey, he wants me to do this and I, I want to be obedient because I know what he has is best and he loves me and I love him.
Thank you for sharing that dissimilar, one of loss, fear, pain, and confusion. And here you are, serving your heart out, and people see you behind a guitar, and no one would know the journey that you've been on. But you're making a public statement and receiving God's sign of a good covenant because you know that you have a father in heaven whose son died to adopt you back into his family to be with you forever. And that's the reality that we need to be encouraged with as well. Amen. So I want to pray for you and I'll pray for those getting baptized in this service and then I'll invite them up and we'll conclude with that. God, I thank you for my brother, Zach. God, thank you for being able to watch his life, know his dad, and see his journey of faith. God, thank you for your faithfulness to him, for continuing to pursue him and respond to him and be patient and to answer and to give visions and reminders and scriptures. But God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, and the work that you do as we receive him by faith, God, you just move in by your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that Zach is compelled to give an outward sign of this spiritual reality to make it visible. And so we thank you for the work you're doing in his life. And like him, for the rest of us, God, we just pray that we would all be encouraged by the sacrament, that we would thank you and receive it. And we ask for your rich blessing on Susan and Ethan as well. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen. 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 You guys, thanks, Zach, for sharing with us.